three little piggies left home to make their way in the world. The first little piggy built a house out of straw. The second little piggy built his house out of sticks. And the third little piggy built his house out of bricks. There was a big bad wolf who wanted a taste of little piggy. He showed up first at the house built out of straw. Oh, little piggy, little piggy, let me come in. Oh, no, not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. Well, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down, said the big bad wolf. And that's what he did. He huffed and he puffed and he blew down the house of straw. Now, at this point, the different versions of the story diverge. If you were born in uh, the late 1800s in England, the story said that the little piggy got, got eaten by the big bad wolf. But we live in modern, sensitive America in which our little children learn that the little piggy escaped over to the next brother's house. So whichever version you want. Okay, so the, the, the big bad wolf shows up at the house made out of sticks. A little piggy, little piggy, let me come in. Oh, no, not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. Well, then I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. And that's what he did. The house of sticks comes down. Pigs either escape or pigs get eaten. Up to you. Now they, uh, the big bad wolf shows up to the house of bricks. Oh, little piggy, oh, little piggy, let me come in. Not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. Well, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. <gasps> and he puffs and he can't blow the house down because it's made out of bricks. And the little piggies are safe in that house of bricks. We're studying uh, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Today we're talking about peace. And there is a, uh, God wants us to help us erect a house of peace where we can be safe from the huffings and the puffings of the big bad wolf, which takes many forms in our lives. So this series is based on the book of Galatians, in particular, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the apostle Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, it's not fruits of the Spirit, it's one fruit with many flavors, and it's the quality of life that the Spirit of God produces in the follower of Christ. And Pastor James did a great job uh, week two explaining how we are 100% dependent upon the work of the Spirit in our lives to produce that fruit, but we're also responsible. Uh, and we need to cooperate with the Spirit, and we cooperate by surrendering our lives in all these areas to, to, the, uh, to the commands of Christ and the leading of, of the Spirit. If you have missed any of the sermons, you can catch up online at clearwater.church. You can download the Clearwater Church app and take the sermon with you on the go. And we do encourage you to be praying the John Stott prayer that we prayed earlier. And uh, back at the info table, we have the John Stott prayers. I'm, I've been finding that quite uh, powerful in my life. Also, if you, because I know you don't want to miss a single week's service, we have a Thursday night service. That's awesome. That's cheering. We have a Thursday night service. Yes. It's right here, 7 p.m. Thursday night, and it's the same thing as Sunday. Actually, it's the advanced service, so I am uh, preaching a second time 
Uh, Thursday crowd's already gotten it, and they are a few days ahead of you digesting this great truth that we can have peace in the Holy Spirit. See, you're behind. If you went to Thursday night service, awesome. So what is the peace? What is peace? It is, essentially, it's freedom from anxiety and contentment in relationship. And there are a lot of disturbers of the peace. A lot of disturbers of the peace, and, but basically they are bad circumstances and conflict in relationship. And we need peace. National Institute of Mental Health estimates that 31% of all Americans will, will have an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. That's almost a third of U.S. adults having an anxiety disorder. Now, that's not anxiety. 100% of us have anxiety sometimes. It's anxiety that rises to a, uh, a mental disorder where it's, the anxiety is so bad that it, that it hinders your ability to function in life. Peace is important. My goodness, if God can actually give us peace, sign me up, right? Which is why we have uh, titled this series, or the, I'm sorry, the subtitle of the series is The Fruit of the Spirit Tastes Good, a, a life characterized by love, joy, fruit, uh, yeah, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self-control. That is a good tasting life. So today I want to talk about how to build a house of peace in which to dwell securely. And a house has to have a foundation. So the first thing we need to do is lay a foundation. We lay a foundation by making peace with God. All peace starts with peace with uh, our maker, with our creator. So why do we need to have peace with God? Well, that assumes that there's currently not peace with God. That, and and that's, that's what the Bible says. Ever since Adam and Eve reached out and... Uh, rebelled against God, disobeyed Him, and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the forbidden fruit. Ever since then, humans have been born alienated from God, separated from Him. In fact, in Colossians, we're told that uh, we are alienated and hostile to the Lord. In, in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 21 to 23, And you who once... He's talking to Christians. And you who once were alienated... And hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, talking about Jesus, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven." So before we were reconciled to God through our faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we were alienated and hostile to him in our mind and in our deed. And that's where a lot of people still are, separated from God. And they, if they want Holy Spirit peace in their lives, they need to make peace with God, their creator. Well, the wonderful news of the Bible is that God was not content to leave us in our alienation. Uh, he loves us, and so he made a way for us to be reconciled. And, and so what he did is he came down to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, and he took upon himself the punishment for our sins. The Bible says that the penalty of sin is death. But if you and I died, 
paid the penalty for our sins, it would be game over. And so God took upon himself the punishment for our sins. He hung upon the cross. By his stripes we're healed. And uh, because Jesus died in our place, we can live if we will uh, repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus. John chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 9. Uh, Jesus is the true light which gives light to everyone. He was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Talking there about the Jews. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So now that's a picture of reconciliation. Uh, you're, you're so reconciled that God actually includes you in his family and calls you his children. And so when those who believe in uh, God's provision, Jesus Christ, make him the, the Savior and Lord of their lives, then they are reconciled with God. And so in Romans chapter 5, it's kind of brought to a fine point. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is justified? Justified is to be declared righteous. Uh, one way to think about it is just as if I'd never sinned justified by faith not by our good works right God doesn't declare us righteous because we're good enough he declares us righteous because his son lived a perfect life and then died a sacrificial death and all that is credited to our account and so we have peace with God if you're a, a Christian you have peace with your creator uh, he is your heavenly father he loves you and he will take you to heaven when you die. And that forms an unbelievable foundation of peace. When you're walking around, and that's true of you, and you know that's true of you, and you're right with God, there's peace with your creator. That just centers your entire life. It grounds your entire life in peace. So that's where we start. And so if you're here, and you have not yet made peace with God, man, don't leave, uh, don't leave today without doing that because it's instantaneous. Uh, it, every relationship has a beginning. Every, every recon, reconciliation has a moment. And God doesn't demand that we jump through a bunch of hoops. He demands that we humble ourselves to his plan and, um, and by faith receive his gift in Christ. And then he honors that with salvation. So we lay a foundation of peace in our lives by making peace with God. Number two, we have to uh, have some walls, right? Houses have walls. So we erect the walls by trusting God with our circumstances. Uh, so I have a beautiful picture of this this week. My dear friend, this week his daughter... Um, was diagnosed with a cyst on the brain. Uh, and there, there had been a, a bunch of fluid been building up uh, probably since she was a little kid, and it had actually um, displaced the brain. About a third of her head was just fluid. And they scheduled surgery immediately because this was a big deal. And, of course, we saw the, we saw the 
provision and the blessing of the Lord because they caught it sort of randomly. Uh, but there were a bunch of unknowns, right? I'm praying with my friend and his wife and the daughter and family. They, they love the Lord. They trust the Lord. But there are a whole bunch of unknowns. Uh, will the, the surgery, I mean, they had to take a, a cut like a quarter-sized chunk of her skull and stick a, you know, start draining stuff. And there's, there's a lot of risk there, a lot of unknowns. Uh, we still don't know whether, whether they will need to put a shunt in, which is a pretty invasive and would be a part of her life and have some life-altering. With the unknowns comes anxiety, right? Absolutely. The what-ifs. What if that's to happen? And that you imagine the, the potential future, and that can really uh, create anxiety. So it was, a, it was super sweet to see my, um, my dear friend and, and their family cast their anxieties upon the Lord um, and just keep trusting God in the midst of the circumstance. And, you know, the evil one loves to keep us focused on the what-ifs. The evil one loves to um, paint these terrible pictures of the future and then get us to, to, to live as if those are now reality. But the Bible is very clear. Jesus is very clear. And he says, you live in the present. Let the future take care of itself. Don't worry about the future. You live in the present. And what you will find is that God is always faithful in the present. Is God being faithful right this moment in your life? Yes. Has he been faithful? Yes. You know, the Bible says that the devil is an accuser. Now, he accuses us to God. He says to God, you know, look at Job. You know, how can you, how can you be um, blessing Job? And, uh, and, and God doesn't listen to him because we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And, uh, and so Satan will accuse us to ourselves. How can you think of yourself as a Christian? You're a hypocrite. How can you think God will love you? With those kind of thoughts and those kind of deeds. And the, and the Bible warns us about that kind of sorrow, which is like a, you know, flushes you down the toilet. If, if the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, you repent and you find forgiveness and you move forward. You don't get into the, oh, woe is me. That's from the evil one. But then, did you know that the, the, that the devil can accuse uh, God to us? He can say, you know what? God won't really take care of you. God doesn't really love you that much. I'm not sure God is going to work this all out. And so he can, he can accuse, uh, make accusations about God to us. Are we listening to those type of accusations? Right? Don't give in to the deceiver and his lies, because that's what he does. He lies, lies, lies. We resist the devil... And he flees from us. So here's Jesus, uh, one of Jesus' um, great teachings on don't be anxious. Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 25. I'm going to read this rather uh, a longer section. This is Jesus talking. So he's talking right to you. He's talking right to me. He's, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Absolutely. You're not an animal. You're created in the image of God. You're far more important to God. And if God takes care of the birds, come on, he's going to take care of you. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Corey Den Boom once said, worry doesn't change anything. It just saps your energy to handle the pressures of the day. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Answer, of course. Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And then here he comes to the punchline or the summary. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Live in the present. And you will find that God is being faithful to you. Don't, don't live in the future. Jesus tells us, don't. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will be, when tomorrow is today, you will find God being faithful to you. So, I, I'm about to read two of my favorite verses that I find myself repeating to myself and others many, many times. Here are a couple more memory verses for you. We don't have to worry. When we're worrying, there's something better we can do. Because we like to do something when we're, when we're worrying. Here we go. We can pray. Philippians 4, 5 to 7. I'm going to start in, in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. We talked about that last week. Let your reasonableness be shown, known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. Now catch that first part. The Lord's at hand. He's not far removed. When you're in your bad circumstance, when your relationships are falling apart, the Lord is at hand. He's right with you. He's not far removed. He's right there. He knows what's going on. God, God, there is nothing too big for God to handle and nothing too small to concern him. If he's taken the time to count the hairs on our head, then the things that bother our hearts and minds matter to him. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, here's the alternative. Rather than be anxious, do this. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Supplication is, please God. Supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is such an important life verse. We get anxious because 
bad circumstances come because the future is uncertain and anxiety rises. God understands that, but he says, hey, don't give in to that anxiety. Rather, you, you capture it and you name it and you tell God what you want. And so I've been trying to teach my daughters this. And I'll say, have you told God what's stressing you out? Well, kind of. No, no, no. Have you named it? You get specific and say, God, I am concerned that tomorrow when I go to school, my friend's not going to remember my birthday. Or, God, I'm afraid that this surgery is not going to go well and they're gonna, somehow they're going to cut too deep and there will be memory loss or a change in the personality. Please, boom, let your requests be made known to God. With Thanksgiving. Why Thanksgiving? Because Thanksgiving is, is saying, I, I can rejoice in the fact that you will work this all out, that you'll answer my prayer and you'll take care of me. Uh, another verse that I couple uh, in my mind with Philippians is 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your... And by the way, that's not two different sentences. It's the same thought. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Taking your anxiety to the Lord in prayer, naming it and saying, God, help me, I want this. That is an act of humility. It's an act of faith. Because that's you saying, I can't handle this on myself, by myself. I need help. And in fact, I need your help. God, help me. And that is humility. That's humbling yourself. And God helps the humble, right? He resists the proud and he helps the humble. So when you're so when you're anxious, don't just stew, don't just fret. Pray, <laughs> name it, wrestle wrestle with yourself, and figure out why am I anxious, right? Do some self examination and say, you know what I'm really worried about? It's this. This is what I'm f- afraid of. This is what I'm really wanting. And then you you tell God. And what does he say? The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We need our minds and our hearts to be guarded when we're in hard times. Because the evil one is trying to to sow seeds of doubt and he's trying to accuse God before, before us. He wants us to begin to doubt God's love and care. The character of God is good. The power of God is great. God's love for me is real. These are things I just rehearsed to myself. The character of God is good. God will never do anything bad. The power of God is great. He can handle it. God's love for me is real. The character of God is good. The power of God is great. God's love for me is real. And you just keep saying these truths to yourself until the burden, until the anxiety is lifted, until the fear dissipates, and and you are left with confidence that I am safe in the hands of my God. I like being a Christian. It's a good thing. 
So we lay a foundation of peace by making a foundation by making peace with God. We erect the walls by trusting God with our circumstances. And finally, we set the roof by being a peacemaker. Uh, there's a lot. We have, uh, relational conflict is a source of lots of uh, disquiet in people's lives. And the Bible says, be a peacemaker. Pursue peace with other people. God is a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Why? Because they're acting like their father. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him seek peace and pursue it. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of peace and love will be with you. And then Romans 12, 18. One of my favorites. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Uh, God is uh, very clear-headed. And he understands that takes two to tango, right? And you, you can pursue peace to the best of your ability and, and, and someone else might reject that peace. And that's, that's possible and that happens. But there's a lot we can do to pursue peace. Peacemaker Ministries, excellent ministry. I love this graph in which they, uh, they identify six activities, peacemaking activities that are uh, biblically recommended. So really quickly. Uh, so this is when you have conflict with somebody. Somebody has uh, done something to you in particular. So one thing you can do is you can just overlook it. And you can say, I recognize that I've been sinned against. I recognize that they've hurt me. I choose uh, not to go after a pound of flesh. I choose to forgive and I choose to just overlook this so that I can continue a peaceable relationship. But, you know, if, you de if you're denying it and you're saying, oh, it's not really happening, well, that's not healthy. Uh, or if you're simply afraid to confront, that's not healthy. And then you've got reconciliation. And reconciliation is you go to somebody and you say, hey, I, you know, our relationship is strained and I, I want to pursue um, dealing with it, dealing with this. Then there's negotiation. Negotiation is you want A, I want B. And, we, and it's, you know, mutually incompatible, so how can we uh, negotiate so that we both are content? Then there's mediation. That's when you get somebody else involved because you guys haven't been able to settle the dispute between the two of you and you need outside help. And arbitration uh, kind of ratchets that same thing up. And then there's even, you know, holding somebody accountable. There's a lot we can do. Point is, there's a lot we can do to pursue a peace in our relationships, and when we have peace in our uh, relationships, well, I'll just say conflict in human relationships creates a whole lot of uh, disquiet in our lives, and we can eliminate a lot of that by being peacemakers. It's important to God, and it's certainly important to building a, a house of peace. So back to the big bad wolf. The big bad wolf is trying to huff and puff and blow your house down. He wants to rob you of your peace. 
The big bad wolf takes many forms. And he's probably taking some kind of a form in your life tonight. God has erected a house in which your peace is safe. Will you dwell in that house? Final verse, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So, during this series we've been saying, the fruit of the Spirit is produced in us by the Spirit of the living God, who indwells us and is transforming us. We are 100% dependent upon the Spirit of God at work in our lives. On the other hand, we have a responsibility to cooperate with the Spirit. And a lot of what I've been talking about tonight is us cooperating with the Spirit. Uh, but the Spirit empowers our cooperation as we seek to build the house by making peace with God and trusting God in our circumstances and trying to be peacemakers, the Spirit of God is with us, uh, empowering all of those activities, and He helps us build that house of peace. So if you wouldn't mind just bowing your head and uh, closing your eyes, just to what you need to do to uh, focus on the Lord What is trying to rob your peace tonight? What form is the big bad wolf taking? Cast your care upon the Lord, for he cares for you. What is your request? Let your requests be made known to God right now. Humble yourself and name it. God not only invites you, he commands you to do that. Humble yourself by, by naming what it is you want. What is it that you're afraid of? And when you cast that into his capable lap, the spirit of God will whisper back to you, I've got you. You're safe. Peace. Be still.